The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke chapter 14. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And when the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place, and then in disgrace you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And he said also to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, in case they may invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and there you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, you may be seated. Let us pray. Almighty God, you call us into your kingdom and you give us that kingdom by grace. Let us share the birthday cake with others first, that we may be in celebration with you. Amen. Don't you just love these Pentecost texts at the end of the year before we switch to Advent, they're always so uplifting, not. So Jesus is being watched, and he is watching in return. And what he sees is pride. Did you know that if Satan played baseball, pride would be his curveball? More people have gone down to the power of Satan by a curveball than any other. Satan throws it so well. He's had lots of practice, starting in the Garden of Eden. That may be one of the words to describe the sin of Adam and Eve, pride, to be like God. And from that sin, pride, come a number of evil events, from being a snob to being a mass killer. And Jesus spends a lot of time condemning pride. 
So what does it look like, this pride? Given enough time, pride can morph into a pattern of selfish behaviors. It can lead to total absorption. Given time, pride can become a personal privilege. You know, through pride eyes, through proud eyes, there are no lies because everything is seen from your own eyes. From proud eyes, there is no greed because you believe that everything is yours much more important than for anyone else. Through pride eyes, there is no lust because people exist for pleasure for you. And in the terminal stages of pride, there is only one God, the God you see in the mirror. The pride is even dangerous in little quantities. It can erode faith. <clears throat> it can squander the gift of grace. Pride allows us to look at the message of Christ and pick what we like and ignore the rest, reject the inconvenient, hold on to only the familiar and comfortable. Pride doesn't give much room for giving and for loving. Oh, pride likes Christmas carols and Easter bunnies, but it doesn't like that crucifixion stuff. Pride thinks that love of neighbor is charming, but love of neighbor does not apply to those shabby people we see. Pride says we believe in God. God has God's priorities, and we have our priorities. And one of these days, pride says, we'll get around to God. Maybe. So how do we get rid of pride? Do we tear it out of our heart? If we do, if we could, that void would be filled with more pride. How do we get rid of pride? It is pushed out by the power of God's love. And that love is a humble love. That love deflates pride. That love leaves no room for selfishness. That love has a heart purpose. And it's not to grab the best seat in the house, nor, as David said, to grab the first piece of cake. A heart full of love 
mirrors the love of Christ. It serves God the Father, and it witnesses to the love of the Son, and it follows the power of the Holy Spirit. It puts us in a place before the throne of God because God loves us. Jesus asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? A child. Humble child. So what is that humility? What makes that story of seeking the best place at the table, where does that story lead us? It leads us to realize that everything that we are, all of the gifts that we have, come from God. All of my talent, all of my money, all of my personality traits, everything that I have, everything that I am, comes from God. It's that kind of humility that infuses our psychological awareness of who we are. We are children of God. A humbling, true statement. So I'm going to repeat that. Humility is grounded in the awareness that everything I am and everything that I have is a total gift from God. So where's the boasting? How can we use God's gift that makes us, us, as a measuring stick against someone else? So Jesus is thinking about us. Jesus is asking us. Jesus is praying for us to put our fears and our dislikes, our prejudice and our judgment last and put love first. Jesus is asking us, put love first in our hearts and from that, make our guest list. Jesus is asking us to give up our seats of honor, our judgment seats, and use that to make our guest list. Jesus is telling us, leave our egos and give up our privilege because everything is given by God. Jesus invites us to take the cheap seats at the party because that's where Jesus is often found, at the margins of every party. Jesus is asking us, look for a new point of view. Don't aim to eat at the top floor of the blessed place in town, 
to take the time to tailgate at the emergency center for men. It will give us a new point of view about God and ourselves. This is the etiquette Jesus wants us to have. Move ourselves out of the center and into the margins. And why does Jesus' etiquette want that? Because no one is good enough to be at God's table. No one, no one is good enough to be at God's table except by grace. When the loving God we have says, come and eat, God sees us as we truly are. Poor, crippled, lame, blind. That's the invitation he was telling the host. And that is us. God knows that if we look at ourselves honestly, that's not the kind of person we would want on our guest list. God knows that most of us have nothing left to lose. We need help. We need acceptance. We need God. We forget. We forget that God is life, that God is the life of the party. And God knows that we are unworthy. And what matters the most is that God's grace makes us worthy. God's table is open. God's table invites. God invites all people. God invites us to the communion table this day. Even though we are unworthy, we are still chosen. And even though we are full of pride and judgment, we are God's beloved people. And Jesus invites us to remember that he lifts us up and shows us the way to be complete people in God. And he invites us to live in that promise. Amen.